Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So as we record, we are about three weeks away from WBDC, which, if I'm honest, feels a little bit wild to me that it has kind of snuck up on me this year. I think I was so focused on development uh, for the last few months that all of a sudden it's like coming out out of that haze and it's like, whoa, WBDC is like right there. Um, like I think I actually just got my email asking me to confirm the name I wanted on my badge and things. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> like this is the things got real, real fast. But it made me think of an interesting time to look back on the last year. You know, our next, I think we have one more episode probably before WDC happens, but um, this, this seems like a good time to look back on the things that were announced a year ago and see how they panned out, see, you know, some of the things that we, you know, some maybe we predicted or unpredicted that turned out to be more or less useful. And it's just an interesting thing because I think it sets, it's good to kind of set expectations for what we're going to, what's going to happen in three weeks at this year's WDC, that, you know, a lot of things will get announced and sometimes they pan out and become important and significant and sometimes they don't. Um, and I think that is a helpful kind of reset every year to make sure we're going into the new technologies with, you know, open eyes because, you know, and I've, I've definitely spent a lot of time in past years working on technologies that didn't end up going anywhere. And, you know, sometimes that's just sort of part of the part of the game. And, you know, if you want to be featured or part of lists or things that are adopting new technologies or just make Apple happy in general, like that's part of the thing. But it's also just good to kind of take take stock and um, and look back, I think. And so I think we're just going to kind of walk through the four main platforms um, and just looking at their kind of like what's new in the various platforms. And like we'll start with tvOS, which is a platform that neither of us really developed for. Um, but I think it's just interesting to, certainly to see. And like when they were announced, they had a whole bunch of new TV UI kit um, frameworks that make you can make richer tvOS apps, tvML, which is their kind of declarative, more HTML y um, UI system was improved. And they made some improvements to the networking framework. And as far as I can tell, like I'm sure those are being used, but I think what is increasingly we have been made clear is that tvOS is a platform for content providers. Um, it is not really a platform that is a general purpose app platform. And I think that is just sort of become very clear with, you know, and even Apple's sort of big media events and things recently, like that is seems to be where that platform um, is heading towards. And maybe a little bit with the like Apple Arcade thing, they're talking about trying to maybe make it a bit more of a gamey platform, but still it's, it is very much seems like it's, it's a much more focused specific platform. And so they're making tools that I'm sure like, if you work on the Amazon app, the TV kit stuff maybe is cool, but you know, these aren't f- uh, frameworks and platforms that uh, kind of have a broad utility. Yeah, I would, I would even say it's even more narrow than that because the the largest companies like YouTube or Amazon like that have that have uh, Apple TV apps usually aren't using a lot of the native stuff. They're using a lot of more like their custom stuff or web based rendering or whatever it is to to make like their own custom layout so that they they don't work like standard Apple TV apps and instead they they you know, follow their own platform guidelines or their own branding guidelines or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think t- TVOS is uh, like the messages apps. Uh, which I think we'll get to actually in a few minutes. Yeah. You know, they Apple launched the ability to make apps in this new area. At first, we, you know, many of us tried it thinking, oh, this could be interesting. This could become a thing. And it just didn't for most apps. And then, you know, it, it kind of figured out what it was for, which was a much smaller set of things than than how it was pitched initially or how we, how we assumed it would be initially. And that's okay. Well, you know, once you find that that area, 
but it is usually <laughs> the, the path of getting there involves a lot of uh, wasted effort, unfortunately. So then we can talk about uh, Mac OS, which I think it's sort of big marquee developer feature was uh, dark mode. Um, and then there's a bunch of things around the Mac App Store got a big kind of overhaul, um, including things like they had also, you know, they got the ratings and reviews API that we've had on iOS for a while. Um, the notarized app system, which is kind of a more advanced version of the old kind of developer ID program. Um, and then it seemed like they had a whole collection of machine learning related um, sort of APIs that were added. But, you know, from a developer perspective, I think the big things that come out, and I think that in some ways have been true, is like the Mac App Store getting an overhaul is was long overdue. And I think it's certainly a positive thing and you know, seems to certainly be setting the groundwork for what we expect to happen uh, in the next year, where there's likely going to be an influx of more uh, Mac apps to the platform. And they've made the Mac App Store kind of ready for that. It was before this update, it was in a really rough place. I mean, if it only worked half the time, I think, and even and visually, it kind of had fallen behind. And especially in contrast to all of the work they had done in the iOS app store with the today tab and the, the really strong editorial voice and artwork and met, you know, assets and all these things that they were doing on that platform. The Mac app store had felt really fallen behind. And um, I was glad to see, I think, and I think that is, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily boosted Mac developer sales or whatever, but I think it's overall a good thing. And it seems like it's setting the groundwork and, um, you know, that that side of it is definitely good. And I mean, dark mode, I, I use dark mode on, on my Mac OS machines. I like it. I think mostly in some ways, I feel like it's just, it's, it's nice. And in the same way, it's also like it's setting the groundwork for something that I think we're going to expect to get, um, in iOS. And, uh, so in some ways it almost felt like the dry run testing it out and, you know, maybe trying to encourage people to adopt it for websites and things that, you know, if they can put the, the, infrastructure in place so that you can have websites that can detect dark mode and those types of sort of situations, then when iOS gets one, potentially you know, more things will be ready for that. And so that that launch will be even better. Yeah. I, Mac OS last, this past year with, with the Mojave, you know, release, I think it's it, in, in a lot of cases we'll have a year where like you just have to do more like busy work or keeping up with Apple or like keeping up with platform expectations, user expectations, you, you know, you have to do like more of that than exciting new feature development. And I think Mojave was one of those releases for Mac developers of like, you know, the, the public expects all apps to support dark mode immediately <laughs> as soon as it was being available, which for a lot of apps was actually a good deal of work. Um, and then you also have to deal with all the new security restrictions in Mojave, which for some apps is, again, a pretty big deal. Uh, you have to deal with the notarization process, which for some build processes is a very big deal. Like, there's all this like kind of like costs you have to deal with in this release. And there really wasn't a lot of, of upside for developers with Mojave, not to mention the fact that, that Apple had previewed uh, Marzipan last year which probably didn't help Mac developers morale either because like what, you know, I'm working on this giant app kit app for what exactly, if this is going to be you know, replaced in a year or deprecated in a year. Um, so I, I think this was kind of a rough year for Mac developers. It was a whole lot of like, you know, dealing with busy work kind of stuff or, or, you know, churn kind of work and not a lot of ability to make forward progress. Yeah. And I think it, it is a strange thing too, when I think of how just, I mean, it like, Mac OS is such a mature platform in so many ways that 
its improvements and changes are these much more busy work and minor changes. Like it's been a long time. It feels like since macOS got like big sweeping, um, more fundamental capabilities. Um, you know, things that aren't visual changes. Like you know, they went through and certainly like there was the 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 movement towards the transparent windows and all the work that had to be happened done with that. And now we have dark mode. Like those are, but those those changes feel very superficial. You know, because they're very much. Like not, they're not addressing the fundamentals of the of the OS. They're addressing just the kind of the veneer on top. And you know, it is a strange it is a strange time to be a Mac a Mac OS developer. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I certainly I'm not one particularly myself, but it's you know certainly speaking to people who are like it. Just it, it's a it's like it's it's a world in flux. And I think Mojave was this very much this sort of transitional species between. Um, where they are coming from and kind of this, these hints towards where, um, where Apple is going to be driving the platform. And that's like, in some ways exciting that like Apple is paying attention, like, you know, Hey, they're, they're doing things on this platform that doesn't feel neglected. There's definitely been in, in the last few years. So, you know, some, some years where it's like the updates were basically nothing. I'm trying to think of some of them, like, I feel like like Sierra or High Sierra, there was one of them where it's like, it's basically like no new features. We just kind of made everything better here, which is good in some ways, but like, you know, in terms of bug fixing and stability and performance, but it's not great in terms of feeling like you're working on a platform that um, has a lot of attention and emphasis and priority within Apple. So like in that sense, it's good. Um, another thing they also talked about, and they, I'll, I'll think I'll bring them up here on macOS, where but I feel like in on a variety of Apple's platforms, they have a lot of this machine learning and very kind of academic capabilities. They had you know in, on macOS they added Create ML, which is a way of kind of creating and building custom machine learning models. And iOS they have a whole bunch of um, you know Core ML capabilities, and it's interesting. I always think these whenever I see these slides, I kind of feel bad because I I feel like this is a technology that Apple seems to be putting a fair amount of energy and effort into, um, but I don't really know what it's being used for. And like the only apps that I can think of that I'm aware of that use this use this are are camera apps that sometimes do vaguely machine learning stuff for um, some of their image processing. But it seems like one of these technologies that. There's a lot of effort, and every year it keeps coming up. Like it's getting better and better and better, and all this machine learning stuff. But I'm not really sure if it's being used, and if that's something. If like the fact that I'm not using it in my applications means that I'm like missing a big opportunity. But I feel it's it's a strange thing to just kind of have this technology that keeps getting better and better, but is completely you know orthogonal to what it is that I I use and think about and even understand to some degree. So I don't know. It's just a funny feeling to to see it kind of go pop by every year. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's like apparently their machine learning is great and is now 10 times faster and is like awesome in all these great ways. And it's like, I don't really, but it's like, it's like they're showing me this super awesome hammer, but I, I have no nails. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, I was going to make like a, like a kitchen tool analogy. Like it's, it's like they, they keep making like a bread maker and every year they make an even better bread maker and it's like you know what actually most people don't need a bread maker and i wish i did because you keep making these awesome bread makers uh but i i just don't really need one and and there may come a day where i do need a bread maker and i'm gonna be really happy this is here yeah uh but and and i keep looking around like maybe how can i use a bread maker maybe i can use it but and i just i can't figure it out like i i have tried various you know ways and techniques to possibly use 
uh, all the all this cool ML stuff in my apps, and I just I I haven't yet come up with anything that where it was actually the right tool for the job, or actually yeah. could do something compelling that was you know worth the massive investment it takes and the computational power and everything else. Like but like it's just it's the kind of thing like someday I will come up with a feature where ML is the right tool to use, but that day has not yet come. But when that day comes, I'm going to be really glad this is there. And you can make some delicious bread. Exactly. Yeah, like, I, and I feel like it's, I imagine what's happening here is I think these are f- technologies and, f- and frameworks that Apple themselves are using. Um, and they talk, you know, they like to talk up their machine learning and how, you know, smart their machines are. Um, and, you know, and things like the Photos app being clever about doing suggestions or whatever it is. And it's all on device machine learning, which is their big thing so that it's more private and uh, maintainable. And I think if, in some ways, I feel like these things are, they're just exposing to us the frameworks and systems that they've built internally for them for their own use and in one that is sort of both that which has the benefit both of potentially moving their platform forward maybe it's finding more bugs in the system because more developers are using it um, and it's also maybe it's just like it's a free thing like they they've done all the work and now they may as well um, kind of export that to the world but yeah it's like i i look forward to the day when something like this would sort of sort of all comes together and i will give apple credit for I've been many times when I've seen frameworks and develop and things that kind of don't really make sense um, initially, and then like a couple years later, suddenly make a lot of sense. Um, you know, you can imagine things like auto layout, where it's like it, when we were when all of our development was happening on three twenty by four eighty devices, auto layout didn't make much sense at all. But they had announced it when in that world, and then it was like a you know a year or two later, suddenly we have different size iPhones, and suddenly it makes a lot more sense why you might want a dynamic. Um, and intelligent layout system that, you know, it's like there's a lot of times where obviously they know what's coming down the road. And so maybe, you know, machine learning is going to be something that is important, you know, for us in our future. We are brought to you this week by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. You can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode has 10 data centers across the globe, and they are always adding more. Toronto, Canada is now available. Mumbai, India is coming soon. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Xeon E5 processors. So you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And... So you don't have to stress about overspending. Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with monthly caps on all plans and add-on services. So you always know how much you're going to pay. And right now, Linode is also hiring. So if you want to learn more about that, go to linode.com slash careers. So Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. And they have all sorts of other plans going up from there and specialty plans like high memory or dedicated CPU plans. I got to say, I love Linode. They are such a good value. I have all my stuff there. I know, Dave, you host things there, too. Between the two of us, we have, I think, 19 or 18 years of experience using Linode. It's, it's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's a great host. There's a reason why we've been there so long. It's just wonderful. Anyway, they have a special offer for our listeners. Go to linode.com slash radar and use promo code radar2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on that $5 a month plan, that could be four months for free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash radar and promo code radar2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for hosting all of our stuff and supporting this show and Relay FM. 
So the next platform that is probably worth talking about is watchOS 5, which is actually a uh, platform that we both, I think, did ex- extensive work on um, in the last year, or at least um, you know, took advantage of the, there's four kind of marquee features to it. And I think we use covered at least two of them. Um, the biggest, so they are uh, serious shortcut support. And this is, for example, being able to export shortcuts for your app and have those become available on the Siri watch face. Um, that's the primary kind of way in which you can interact with it on watchOS. Um, it made notifications more interactive, um, which is nice. They ha- added um, the ability to do uh, progress indication on uh, set on file transfers, which seems like a minor feature, but was a pretty marquee one in many ways. Um, <laughs> background audio playback, um, which was significant for you. And they updated the workout APIs to uh, make them much better. And so I can start off talking about the things that I think overall it was a a good year for for watchOS. I think it it got a lot of capability that was nice. Um, at least on, uh, it was the tricky thing about the year. I think is that a lot of the improvements were much more low level than they were uh, superficial. Like we didn't get any of uh, you know, interactive UI framework or some of the kind of things that are still on my wish list for watchOS. But like the new workout API was amazing, and it it is a really really improved. Um, what I'm able to do in my workout apps to make it so that it's much more comparable to Apple's. And I think that is something that was something that I liked seeing in watchOS 5, that I, there was Apple wasn't, they're making, you know, taking steps to allow third party to make third party apps be more, uh, you know, more equivalent to their built in counterparts. Because uh, previously they just, there were things that we just couldn't do. And, and, you know, like the big, the huge, one of the huge things with the workout APIs is that, they changed it so that if you are ever killed for resource constraints or all kinds of the weird things that watchOS will just randomly kill you for. It happens all the time. Yeah, it's like it happens all the time and there's only so much you can do about it. But if you're running a workout, you immediately get relaunched and you can resume where you picked off and like the user will likely never know. Um, you know, it's almost like these hiccups that were causing all kinds of problems and were somewhat like unavoidable and are kind of terrible because if someone's doing a workout, like the last thing you want is to like lose their data because there was some, you know, uh, resource constraint on the device and suddenly like your app's killed, it stopped collecting data. Like that's awful. Like they changed it so that it just relaunches you as well as there's a whole bunch of low level health kit stuff that they made so that, you know, it'll do a lot of the heavy, heavy lifting for you that I'm not having to juggle all of these um, health samples that previously you would have to. And so like overall, I think it was a good year in that sense. And it's just like, I hope that they can kind of pull up some of these equivalencies from low level like system frameworks and health and so on yeah, up into the UI. Um, and coming out, you know, years coming forward. But how was audio playback? Uh, that was <laughs> it, it. It was basically like they they read my blog post about why I can't make a good watch podcast player and did like three quarters of the things I asked for. Yeah. That was great for me. Uh, it, well, it was it was great in the sense that I could finally do it. It was it was a, a little burdensome in the sense that I now had to do it. <laughs> and so it took my entire summer last year. Basically, was was uh, you know like. I know a lot of developers last year, they looked at what was on iOS and watchOS and it wasn't that much stuff. And they were like, oh, great. We'll have a nice, easy summer. Take, take some time off, like get, yeah. some, you know, t- get some relaxation in, not have a lot of work to do. Meanwhile, I had tons of work to do <laughs> because of this, you know, the background audio enhancements. And uh, I got to say, I, I still fantasize about dropping the WC session file transfer completely. Sure. Like I would love to no longer use file transfers between the phone and the watch because they're so slow and unreliable 
and and so I would love to get rid of that. But but you know at least they they made it slightly more usable last year by adding a progress value on it, so I could display something to the user besides this may get there someday. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was very busy last summer with this stuff, and ultimately, um, you know, it's it it was it was a very specialized year for watchOS. Like if you if you were a workout app or an audio app, you had a lot of work to do on watchOS. If you were anything else, you probably didn't have anything to do. Which, and I guess it's it's a tricky thing to see, yeah, to I guess makes sense in that I think Apple has clearly defined the focus of the platform. Um, in the same ways, in some ways, like we were talking about with tvOS, where like it is becoming more niche and focused, that like they the watch I think is increasingly in that direction as well. That if you're a fitness app or a health and fitness app kind of in that genre, it's a great platform for you. They're putting a lot of work in, and I think the media side is an area that they're also showing some interest in. And I think that works well for the story with AirPods and like just in general, it seems to be a, a focus for that platform. But you know, if you're trying to do something else on on the watch, um, you're it there's no, doesn't seem to be nearly as much um, kind of support underlying it, which is probably fine, um, and it's probably a good thing for the platform that it you know their attention is focused in a few areas rather than spread out. Um, in trying to make it like the next big general purpose uh, computing platform. Uh, lastly, I think, um, is iOS. And so we had ARKit 2, which is very exciting. Um, <laughs> Let's see, is it, see, ARKit 2, it's exactly like the, the ML stuff we were saying earlier. Yes. It's like, this is another like amazing specialty tool that Apple has made available to us. And I just have zero use for it right now. And maybe, again, maybe someday I will have a use for AR. They are sure investing very heavily in it. Maybe, you know, if, if there's like these rumored AR glasses down the line, maybe that will give a significant boost to like reasons why we would have to use this. Um, but right now, like I, I have, I have no use for this. Yeah, no, it is, it is a strange feeling where like, and like the, there, it doesn't seem like it's something that actually is being used in real life very much. Um, it's, it is something that just like in my normal, like tech savvy interest sake, like utility, like it doesn't actually come up. And what's strange to me too, is how like one of their like toy examples is often love, like, you know, the thing where you go to the fender store and you can like see the guitar and you can like put it in your real world and see how big it is. Like they have, they've created this whole like web system for doing that. But Apple doesn't do it themselves, which feels oh, yeah. really weird that there's this like there's this technology and they're talking about it. But like, what if I want to see, you know, a 13 inch Mac, you know, MacBook Pro on my desk next to a, a you know, a 12 inch MacBook? Like, that seems like something that should exist in the Apple Store app that I can, you know, like there's real world use cases where that's actually kind of interesting or like, you know, how big does a, an iMac look like on my desk? Like this is these these are use cases that they kind of promote and talk about, but they're not using it themselves even like yet. And which makes me think it's really it is more of a tech demo. It is more of a building awareness and you know trying to kind of establish some territory in this sort of emerging field rather than necessarily something that um, is is ready for prime time. Um, you know, if, if they're if they're not even using it themselves for kind of some of its toy examples, it doesn't feel like that doesn't give me a lot of confidence for um, you know that it's quite ready for broader use uh, you know in the world. Yeah, like like in I looked over my notes from last year's keynote, and they started out with a very heavy AR push last year, and and they they brought they brought out this file format, the USDZ file format, that was 
that I, if I understand it correctly, would be the kind of thing of like a website could put a USDZ file uh, like on like a shopping website on each item the same way they would have like here's a preview image of this item. They could have this file that then you could like preview this item in AR in your office or house or whatever so you could see like how big it is or you could turn it around or whatever. And I would love that. That sounds amazing. In for all, you know, I do a lot of online shopping, and frequently I I end up being surprised when something arrives of like, oh, that's a lot bigger or smaller than I expected it to be. Um, and so to have something where you can contextualize like how does this item look in my actual place, that's great. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody's doing it yet. And you said you know even Apple isn't doing it. I, I think this that could be a wonderful future for AR, um, but it it doesn't seem like it's the present yet. Um, the next big thing I think in iOS was Siri shortcuts and like the shortcuts app in general, which I would say is a been an, I think it was overall is a successful platform in terms of the way that it kind of has rolled out. And what I think has worked really well in its favor is that like bare like bare bones shortcut support is relatively easy to do. Um, you know, in terms of if you just kind of donate your uh, actions on a regular basis, like you're kind of starting to be part of that system um like i'm not sure how like i feel like it's become they even it's a fairly niche platform though like for like doing really robust um shortcut support but it certainly isn't like is 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 one that seems like it's a it's like this sort of in, in the slow emerging um you know place and i think series shortcuts as opposed to ar kit or ml like feels like something that is is getting you some use that like is finding some traction even if that is more niche or focused uh, like it's this kind of this you know it is an area where it provides clear and obvious utility which makes it much more compelling and interesting as a result yeah i mean to me like like the way the way that watch os last year was basically nothing unless you wanted to use the new audio or workout apis i think shortcuts is that thing for ios like for the last the last year but ios has been all about whether you whether you supported shortcuts or not and and you know how much you supported it shortcuts in its current incantation is actually very limited you can't do a lot of stuff like you know like dynamic variables or like more like you know parameterized kind of kind of commands um, a lot of the media playback stuff is super super primitive so like there was a whole bunch about shortcuts that I wanted to do but couldn't and a lot of a lot of apps face the same problem of like we'd like to have you know more arbitrary commands but we just can't do that and so the what you could do with shortcuts last year was actually not that much so it wasn't that much work for most people again unless you make an audio app in which case you had to work around a whole bunch of like weird bugs (laughs) and like weird like timing uh interruption things and everything but uh so I had a busy summer (laughs) like shortcuts was way more work than I thought it would be uh but ultimately it was a pretty easy year for people on ios like there wasn't that much for us to do in in regards to like new apis or keeping up with the platform or anything like that yeah i'm trying to think like the other little things they added were it's like they had health records which is one of those like if you're a medical if you're a hospital that's a great and interesting platform and like really cool but it's very very niche um they added effects to sticker packs If, if you still make a messages app that's great uh that's that's a that's a i think even more specialized use than health records yeah it, it, the messages platform is has not grown and developed as much as they keep kind of pushing it on like it, it, it's sort of they they keep changing how aggressively they po- show it show it in iMessage and like it still just doesn't seem like it's um kind of going anywhere for anything other than stickers for like big media co- big brands and media companies yeah, or like bitmoji like you know like like popular yeah. stickers do okay nothing else seems to yeah 
Um, and see, we have interactive notification controls and notifications, which, if I'm honest, I haven't actually seen very much. Um, like, if they did a variety of changes to make notifications richer and more uh, dynamic, and I just haven't seen many apps take advantage of that. That I don't, I don't know exactly why, but that doesn't seem to have happened much. Um, but I will say the last one that the feature they added is the authentication services stuff, which is like the password autofill and integration with one password and stuff. And that I think has gone really well. Um, like I, I, it, it's very noticeable how lots of apps support it. The, you know, the logging in process for new applications is much more seamless and straightforward than it used to be. And so like, that's one's like a huge win and I'm always delighted when I use an app that supports it. Yeah. All right, so that is that is the year in review. We, you know, I think overall it was a good year. Like it was one of those years where they announced a lot of things. Some of it went kind of over our heads or kind of sideways, but you know, overall it it, it was the things that they announced were useful largely, um, and it was like it was it's very targeted and focused on who got the improvements. But if you were in in one of those industries or areas that needed an improvement and you got it, you got a good improvement and it went well. So you know that's. That's kind of what I was hoping, hoping, you know, so it's always what I kind of hope for rather than like the messages stuff where here's this great new platform is this whole new thing and you spend time working on it and then it just kind of goes nowhere, which I don't think seen, happened this year as quite as much. Well, let's, let's hope Marzipan goes better than that. <laughs> let's hope. And I think it will. I think that's going to yeah. be the big story this year. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.